Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. Amen. We come to this passage this morning uh, one more time. We've, we were in this passage all day on Sunday, and uh, we looked here in Ecclesiastes chapter number 12, and we talked about some other things and dealt uh, with some other verses of Scripture, but primarily both services we spent in Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. And uh, we began to look at this passage and note the fact that here we find one being identified in verse number uh, 8, and in verse number 9, and in verse number 10 as the preacher. And we realize that this, this book of Ecclesiastes, all 12 of its chapters, were penned by King Solomon. And how interesting it is that a man that is uh, the sovereign king and authority in his nation here describes himself as not just a preacher, but the preacher. And I submitted to you that I believe that one of the reasons is, is that God as putting him in that position as a king made him the chief spokesman for the nation. Made him the one that is to dispense the message that all of the children of Israel need to hear. And in that way he was God's messenger <coughs> for that people. He was the one that was their preacher if you will. I understand they had the ministry of the prophets and, and ministry of other uh, teachers and, and, uh, and, and, and individuals in that day. But if uh, the, anyone was going to lead them and if anyone was going to lead them in the way of God, it was going to be their king. And here we find Solomon doing the interesting thing of identifying him by that moniker. In verse number 8 we see the declaration that he made to them and it was a declaration of the flesh. He said, vanity of vanity, saith the preacher, all is vanity. And he made uh, that declaration having been beat down by the, uh, by the circumstances of his life, having uh, dealt with the issues that come uh, from life and then the having, having to deal with the results of foolish decisions that he had made as he had chosen uh, many times in his life to walk away from the will of God for his existence. And so we find a declaration in verse number 8 that uh, Solomon identified as the preacher in Ecclesiastes 12 made uh, in the flesh. And by the way, preachers still have flesh. Amen. Preachers still deal with the flesh and at times, amen, even in our declaration if we're not careful, that can come out. I've heard it happen many a times uh, in my life and ministry as I have listened to others probably even in my own ministry. Amen. Verse number 9 here we find him making a declaration as he moves from the flesh to making a declaration here in the scriptural text from a place of his faith. He says and moreover amen the Bible speaks about him and moreover because the preacher was wise amen God had given him that wisdom. God had put that in him. And even though he was dealing with the flesh and having the emotional battle of where life had brought him, that wisdom that God had put in him had not ever been removed. The preacher was wise and still taught the people knowledge. It is still a good thing for God's men to teach the people what God says about everything that the Word of God says. Amen. Knowledge. Knowledge of what God said. Knowledge of the Scriptures. Amen. Still taught the people.
people knowledge. He taught them. He instructed them. Amen. I do believe, as I've said before, that there is value to even the teaching ministry in the pulpit. If we preach and we do not teach, we have not truly preached anything. Amen. We must also teach people what thus saith the Lord. The Bible said, yea, <coughs> he gave good heed. We talked about that. Amen. Something good to hear. Something good for them to listen to. Something that would be beneficial to them and sought out. Or he dug deep in the things of God. He made a diligent effort to try, as the Bible says, uh, to uh, give good heed. Verse number 10 describes this action of seeking out. When the Bible says, and the preacher sought out. What did he seek out? He sought out to find acceptable words. Solomon, even as he made declarations to them, was spending his life trying to make sure that he had something of value to give to God's people. And that's what I believe preaching ought to be. Amen. We've been looking at the subject in the, the, the last Sunday and even this morning as we continue the thought why every Christian should want good preaching. Why every Christian should want good preaching. The Bible says here that Solomon sought, amen, to find out acceptable words and that which was written was <coughs> upright. I believe he's talking about the Proverbs that he said in order to uh, write and according to verse number 9. He, uh, that which was written was upright, even the word, even words of truth. But the Bible said there in verse number 9 that he sought out uh, that he may give those acceptable words. And the Bible says in verse number 9 that he gave good heed. What he gave them was good to listen to and was beneficial to them. In other words, what Solomon gave them would be what we would call good preaching. And I'd say this, I think if you've been in church any length of time, you know what good preaching is. Amen. And you know what bad preaching is. And I'm not talking about styles, and I'm not talking about uh, personalities. Amen. I, I have men in to preach here in this pulpit that as far as their personality is concerned, and as far as their style is concerned, is very different than mine. Amen. I feel like I think about uh, recently, amen, I, I think about uh, a couple months ago we had in Brother Sidney Coble. Brother Sidney Coble preached a great Bible message, preached several Bible messages when he was with us. But I don't know if you can find very many people where mine and his personalities as far as presenting truth in the pulpit uh, are uh, much more different uh, than me and Brother Coble. Amen. And isn't it a wonderful thing in God's house where you can take God's men and with their personalities and with the way God created them and they convey what the Bible says and it's still good heat no matter if it's loud or soft, no matter if it's energetic or not. Amen. <coughs> You're looking at somebody, I enjoy all kinds of preaching. I just don't enjoy bad preaching. As long as it's good preaching, I enjoy it. Amen. And you say, preacher, what makes good preaching? As long as the preaching is founded in this book, it is good for me and it is profitable for me. Amen. And that's what I like. I like Bible preaching. I'm not as interested in folks' opinion. Amen. I, I, I stomach some of that when I hear preaching. Amen. And if I give you my opinion, I'll tell you my opinion. Amen. And uh, if, it, if it goes along with the scriptures, amen, it'll help us. Amen. Uh, but so if, uh, but I've, I've heard a lot of preaching. Amen. As I said last week, hey, somebody get up and take a text and it's 
as quick as they can depart therefrom. Amen. And they never told me what that verse had to do about anything, uh, but just we read it while we were there. Amen. I guess it is so uh, you can at least say that you've heard from the Word of God, even if they never gave it to you. Amen. You read it together. Amen. But I'm telling you, amen, I like topical preaching. I like expositional preaching. I like, I like biographical preaching. Amen. I like any kind of preaching that there is. Amen. Just give me the book and I like it. Amen. As long as the Word of God is rightly divided and you tell me what thus saith the Lord, I'd say it's good preaching. Amen. And I think that there should be something in every Christian as a child of God that wants the Word of God to be given to them and to be preached to them and what they hear be good and quality and amen, beneficial to them and to their family. Amen. I thought about this truth several years ago. I've, I, I've, uh, this message is, is fresh and new uh, to me, but I thought about the idea of, of, of uh, just musing on the scriptures one day. I was preparing uh, a message several years ago. How many of y'all remember uh, the message that I preached here and I used my son as an illustration on the Word and Wyatt? Anybody remember that message out of 1 Peter chapter number 2? As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, I pulled back out of the file a message God gave me. He led me back to that thought and I preached a message God gave me just one day as uh, my wife was feeding Wyatt out of a baby bottle when he was just a, a little bitty thing. Amen. And I just watched how he drank his bottle and how he just sat there and ate every drop of it up. And I just started taking notes. God started preaching to me watching him drink his baby bottle about how Christians should want truth. Amen. And how they should desire the Word of God. And so we dealt with some of those things. But one of the things that I thought of and that the Lord brought my mind back to as I was preparing this message was how a baby wants their bottle to be delivered to them. I've never seen a baby go over to the refrigerator and try to get their bottle out. I've never seen a baby go over and pour the water and then the formula and mix it all together. And I've never watched, uh, amen, I've never watched uh, uh, Joey when he was on a bottle. I never, I'm amazed he's not doing this yet, but I've never, and I don't expect to see Maisie when she starts walking, amen, or starts to uh, just kind of uh, move a little bit to be crawling around the floor with a bottle doing this. You know why? They don't deliver it to themselves. There should be something in a child of God that does not just want to ingest something that is pure. I believe we do that when we read our Bibles, amen. I believe there's part of uh, your part in getting the truth, amen. Amen. My, I can bring the bottle to his mouth, but it's up to, it was up to Wyatt in those days of him being a baby for him to take that first sip and to keep, to keep sipping and keep sipping, Amen. It was up to him what he was going to do with it and to have some personal responsibility in ingesting, but it had to be delivered to him. Now, I understand, I'm not, I'm not taken away from the fact that we read our Bibles and we study our Bibles, but we're living in a world today where you'll have people say, preacher, I don't have to go to church and I don't have to listen to preaching. I study the Bible for myself. And I, I saw where one man said, if you say you don't need to go to church because you study the Bible for yourself, that's proof positive. You don't study the Bible. Because the Bible says for us not to forsake the assembly. And one of the reasons, I believe one of the reasons is that we shouldn't forsake the assembly is because not only because of the fellowship, because there's preaching that goes on here that we need, amen. And when we hear the Word of God, it is beneficial to us, amen. We, I believe every Christian should want there to be a man of God. Get up in God, and before God's pulpit, open a King James Bible and tell them what thus saith the Lord for them. 
up and for their family. Amen. I believe we should desire that. So we're talking about why every Christian should want good preaching. Amen. And the first thing I mentioned about that is I believe every Christian should want good preaching because of the must of good preaching. Why do we want, why should we want it? Because we need it so much. Amen. And then we saw number two, the merit of not just the most of good preaching, but the merit of good preaching. What's the merit of good preaching? Amen. The Bible says here in Ecclesiastes 12 that they are, it is a good heed. It is knowledge that comes from wisdom. It has been dug down and sought out by God's man. And it has been delivered to us as acceptable words that are upright, even the words of truth. I'd say that's good preaching. I'd say that's words that has been declared to me that has some merit behind it. If God says that is even words of truth. Amen. In a world that despises the truth, give me somebody that will stand in God's pulpit flat-footed and tell me the truth. Amen. I want the truth this morning. Amen. The merit of good preaching. I think about what the Bible says there in 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 16. Amen. And we see that verse and what it says and what it declares. And I submitted to you what that verse, 2 Timothy 3, 16 means is that when you hear the, when you hear the Word of God preached and the Word of God comes into your life, it will profit you. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says that the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, and for instruction in righteousness. Amen. I believe the Word of God will profit us. That's what merit preaching has. Good preaching has, that is. It'll bring good things into your life. It'll profit you. It'll do good for you. Amen. This morning, I want to continue on that thought. Amen. We've talked about why every Christian should want good preaching. Number one, because of the must of good preaching. Number two, because of the merit of good preaching. But this morning, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter number four. And I want to say something about the mirror of good preaching. The mirror of good preaching. And I'll, I'll say this, that may be confusing to some of you. We'll get to where we're going here in just a moment. Amen. But the mirror of good preaching. Matthew chapter number 4. Matthew chapter number 4. And we'll look at verse number 17 together this morning. Notice what the Bible says, Matthew 4, verse number 17. The Bible says, from that time Jesus began to, what's the word? preach. Did you know that Jesus was a preacher? He wasn't just a miracle worker. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a rabbi. He wasn't just somebody coming around saying good things. No, he was a preacher. The Bible said from that time, and I believe implied in this phrase, is from that moment on, Jesus is found preaching. Amen. We're about to enter into uh, chapter number 5. If you read on through the rest of chapter 4, chapter 5, 6, and 7, you know what that's called? The Sermon on the Mount. You know who gives it? Jesus does. Really, the Savior's given a sermon. I guess that must make him a preacher, don't you think? The Bible said, verse 17, that Jesus began to preach. And oh, would you not love to hear Jesus preach? I've told you before, amen, my pastor used to always say that if you get to go to heaven, 
and you get to ask the Lord to request for anything, he would say one of his requests, if God would give him several, one of him, them would be that he would ask the Lord to replay for him that, uh, that sermon that he preached in Luke chapter number 24 to those two uh, traveling disciples that were on the way to Emmaus when the Bible says that Jesus, amen, beginning at Moses, amen, beginning in the Old Testament, Jesus expounded unto them and all of the scriptures, the thing concerning himself, amen. He said, I'd like to hear Jesus preach on Jesus and everywhere in the scriptures highlighting where you see Jesus on every page of the Bible, amen. But I'd love to hear Jesus preach. I think this crowd would as well. Amen. The Bible said, this is what he said, though. If you were to travel to a location where Jesus was preaching, if you were to sit in one of his, uh, one of his services and hear one of his messages, his message was this, verse 17 says, that he began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can I say this? I'd say that's good preaching, wouldn't you? Amen. Twofold message. Number one, you need to repent. And number two, you need to get ready. Amen. Because the end of everything is on its way. That's what Jesus preached. And can I say, I talked about the mirror of good preaching. I believe when we see Jesus here, we find, amen, what should be a mirror image in our pulpits all across uh, this nation and around the world. If you are preaching the Word of God and you fail to tell people that there are sins, amen, that they must repent from and that there is a condition that exists in every human heart that makes them a, not just someone who commits sins, but a sinner, amen. I taught, our, I taught our young people this morning, I asked them the question, what sends people to hell? We dealt with John 3, 18. It's 3, 17, 3, 18. That, and I asked them, I said, what sends people to hell? Does stealing send people to hell? Does committing adultery send people to hell? Does lying send people to hell? Does, does, does all of these, does any sin, whatever you can name, does that send people to hell? Not according to Jesus. He said, He that believeth not is not, or he that, he that believeth is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Amen. You, I told them this morning, amen, uh, that you don't go to hell because of what you have done. You go to hell because of what you have not done. You have not believed on Christ. Amen. Jesus preached that you are to repent. I believe that you can take repentance as a twofold message. I believe repentance can be a message to the, the lost, to sinners. Amen. That they need to repent of their sins and place their faith in Christ. Amen. So that they can be saved. And I believe that there's also a message of repentance to saved people. Amen. I believe there's sins that we should repent of. Amen. And we should confess before the Lord and that we should try our best. Amen. But by the help and the grace of God to walk away from that sin and to walk toward a, a life of holiness. That's what repentance is. It is a change of heart and a change of mind that produces a change in direction. You change your heart. Amen. You change your mind. That affects your heart. You say, this, is, this, this kind of living is not good for me. All of this carousing and doing all this evil stuff, it's not good for me. All of this activity, amen, this is not right with God. God is not pleased by that. And that affects your heart to want to do something about it. And your repentance is not going back there anymore. Asking God to forgive you, laying it out. First John 1 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lay our wrongdoing out before God. Ask God to help us to go in another direction and don't look back. That's what repentance is for a child of God. Right. 
Amen. I believe when Jesus said repent, I believe he tells us that there, there ought to be repentance preached in our messages. And here's the sad thing. Our churches are leaving that message by the droves, even in our independent fundamental Baptist churches. You'd be surprised how many people preach against repentance in our day. You'd be surprised how many, how many thousands of people are flocking to churches. Amen. And, and I'll say this. Yes, the liberal crowd, they're not preaching for people to repent in anything. They're telling them you're all right where you are. Amen. You can do whatever you want to do. Amen. And I'll say this. I believe for someone who is truly saved, you can do whatever you want to do and still go to heaven. But the problem is when I got saved, my want to changed. I don't want to sin anymore. When I sin, it grieves me. It breaks my heart that I've offended God. Amen. One of the signs that you have been saved is that your sin bothers you. If it doesn't bother you, I wouldn't trust what I have. Amen. I wouldn't trust a salvation that came to me from a Savior to where it doesn't bother me. Amen. If I sin against Him, if He went to the cross to save me from that sin, and I still can live in it and not get bothered by it, amen, that, that, that would disturb me as to what I have. Amen. If it doesn't bother you to sin just any way you want to, and you're never convicted by your sin, I would do, if I was you, I would do what Peter said and make, you sure, make your calling and election short. Make sure you're saved. Amen. Join me for my Sunday school class next week. We'll talk about the fruits of salvation. Make sure those are there. Amen. And if they're not, I encourage you, get your heart right with God. Get saved. Amen. But I will, I will say this. Amen. We're living in a day where people are departing from that truth. But when Jesus preached, it was the first point he preached in every message. Repent. You say, why does the preacher preach against this sin and that sin so much? It's because if you don't know what, if you don't know what sin is, you'll never know what to repent from. Amen. And that goes for both sinner and saint. Amen. Both lost person and saved person. Amen. If you don't have somebody, amen, that has a little bit of God about them and a little bit of boldness, amen, to open up a Bible and nail down our sin the way it ought to be, you'll not know what to repent from. Amen. We need, to, we need to get back to preaching repentance in our churches. At good, good preaching. Amen. It's a message of repentance. Amen. You know why? It is such a good, good message because it mirrors the preaching ministry of Jesus. If I could be, you hear people say all the time, I'd love to preach like Paul. I'd love to preach like this one. I'd love to preach like that one. And I would. Amen. I'd love to have the mind that Paul had. Amen. Paul was one of the most brilliant men in the, that ever exists. If you don't believe me, read some of his books sometime. Amen. Paul was brilliant. I would love to have that kind of mind and preach like that and be able to dig down into the depths of Scripture, but yet dig down so deep. Amen. Uh, as Paul did, but be able to make it yet so plain. I'm amazed, but I love preachers that can do that. Amen. I want to do better at that. Amen. To be able, I think about commentaries that you read. I think about Warren Wearsby. He's a master at that. He can take a whole book of the Bible and put it together in about two paragraphs. And you say, I don't know what he missed. Amen. It's all, it's all there. Amen. Brother Lewis said that's the way he preaches. Amen. It's not the way I preach. Amen. I'm like the biblical illustrator. And if y'all want to know what that means, y'all go in my office and look about the right-hand side of my bookshelf all the way down. That's Genesis to Revelation. Amen. So that's the way. And, and if you look, you open up the book. Brother Lewis has done it. I've showed it to him. You open up the book, the words are about that big. Volumes are about that thick, and it's a whole bookcase from the ceiling all the way to the ground. That's about the way I preach, amen. Or at least that's the way I feel sometimes, amen. But I think about men like Dr. Adrian Rogers, like the great giant of the southern, the former southern, the old the southern, but the former. Actually, I think today's his birthday. 
preacher from the Southern Baptist Convention would have been 90 today. He could take the depths of the Scripture and make it so simple. I believe that's what Paul was, was able to do. I'd love to preach like that. But if I could mirror my ministry after anybody, if I could mirror my life after anybody, doesn't the Scriptures teach us that we should follow in the Lord's steps? Amen. If I want to be, I'd love to be able to preach like Jesus. Amen. I'd love to be able to, to have those parables and to be able to put uh, just all of the truth in just a couple of sentences in parables like that and the congregations flock to uh, come and to uh, follow Him. Amen. If I preach anything and people don't follow Jesus, amen, if it doesn't draw people closer to Jesus, I've missed it. Amen. I'd love to be able, I'd love to be able to preach like he did. Amen. I'll never do that. But at the same time, I can mirror my preaching after he is. If my preaching is missing repentance, I'm not preaching like Jesus did. Amen. He said, first thing he said, first point of his message was to repent. And then if you look at verse 17, the second thing that he said was for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was letting them know how close they were to the kingdom of God being established on this earth. I will say this, I believe our message as a, as a minister of God in a New Testament church and as a body of Christians in the New Testament dispensation is slightly different from that. That gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preached was he was preaching to a Jewish crowd and he was reminding them that the Messiah was coming and the Messiah was there and that he was going to set up his kingdom on the earth and rule and reign. That's not what we're preaching today. That's part of what we preach. We do preach what the Bible says in, in Daniel, what the Bible says in some of those minor prophets, what the Bible says in Revelation about that day that is to come, amen, in the millennial reign of Christ where he will rule with a rod of iron for a thousand years, amen, and he will rule everything for all of eternity after that. We do preach that, but the message that we're preaching to the world, the message that they need to repent and believe the gospel for is not just because there is a kingdom coming somewhere day, amen, but the, because there is a return of Christ that could happen at any moment. Right. Amen. There is a deadline that the world will reach before they ever get to the millennial reign of Christ. And amen, it was a mystery that was kept, amen, by the providence of God until the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And Paul called it the mystery of the church. He called it the mystery of the rapture. Amen. Well, he didn't use the word rapture, but he described it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Amen. The, 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 what, was, what was missing from the preaching of bygone days in the Old Testament is that there was going to be a dispensation of the grace of God. There was going to be a, a period of time to where there was going to be a group of, of children of God, both Gentile and Jews, that were going to make up the church of the living God. Amen. That was, that, that was not preached. It was alluded to, but it was not expressly given in the Old Testament. Although I believe we do find mirrors to that and, and, and allusions to that in the Old Testament. I believe that's without question this morning. However, when it comes to Jesus' ministry, he preached the gospel of the kingdom, and I believe, or the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. I believe that mirrors for us what we should be preaching today that there is a deadline on God's calendar that is at hand. I cannot look at you this morning and tell you that the rapture is going to be in 20 years or 100 years or 1,000 years. It could be, but it could be before I even finish my next sentence. That is called the imminent return of the Lord. That's what we call that doctrine, the imminent return of the Lord Jesus. You know what imminent means? It means it can happen any time. 
Before we leave this building, the Lord could return. Amen. And if I fail to preach to you that message, amen, I have missed it. In every message we preach, people should hear, amen, that there is a sin to be repented of, that there is a Savior to be received, amen, that there, even for the children of God, there are sins that we need to get out of our life and have cleaned up, amen. And the reason why, amen, is what 1 John tells us, amen, that if any man has the hope of the rapture in them, of the coming of the Lord in them, they will purify themselves. If you believe Jesus is coming back in 20 minutes, you'll spend the next 19 repenting of sin and getting right. Amen. You, you, I know if we knew Jesus was coming in 20 minutes, there might be souls we'd want to win, but we'd want to make sure we were right with God when He comes. Amen. And for some of us, it might take all of the next 19 minutes we have to get it right. Amen, amen. Or oh me, one or the other. Amen. I'm telling you, repentance and, the, and, 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 and that deadline, that, that, coming, that coming moment that all will face, amen, and the rapture is something that will be a reality for both saint and sinner alike. You've got to make sure you're prepared for that. Let me ask you this morning, I, 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 don't, I don't need to preach a whole lot longer. I can preach more, uh, amen, at another date. But I, I, if I can ask anything this morning, let me ask you, have you faced down the realities of this mirror of what good preaching is? What I mean by that is this, have you ever considered the fact when you hear someone preaching that you need to repent of your sin, have you done it yet? Have you repented in order to be saved? Amen. Have you repented of that fact that you were born a sinner and you choose to be one every moment of every day? Have you repented of that and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life? Have you done that? If not, today would be the day to do it. Why every person should want good preaching? Amen. I believe every sinner should want, some, want good preaching in their life because it illuminates to them their need of salvation because without it they'll die and spend eternity in hell. The only reprieve they'll get is to let, get let out for just a little while to be judged at the great white throne judgment and then cast in the lake of fire. I'm telling that's not an eternity I want. If I fail to miss that message, I have not been a good preacher. I've not preached a good message. I have not given you what you need. I've not given you good heed. I've not given you knowledge that you need. I have not given you up, uh, acceptable words, even words of truth. Amen. If we want our preaching to mirror Christ, we've got to be telling sinners that they need to get saved. Amen. It is needful. We've got to be telling, we've got to be telling lost, people, lost people that they need to be saved. We've got to be telling saved people they've got to get their lives cleaned up. It's time to start living for Jesus. It's time to put away the excuses. It's time to stop playing games. It's time, it's time, it's time to stop making uh, all, of, all of our decisions based around the flesh. No, it's time to lock, stock, and barrel, sell our lives out to God, give ourselves to Him, get the sin out of our lives. Amen. Get the, get the dirtiness and filthiness out of our mind, out of our heart, and out of our life. Amen. And start living for God. Amen. That's what repentance will do for you as a child of God. And I believe both saint and sinner alike must face down the reality that the Lord's coming. Just as certain as I'm standing here in this pulpit, in this building, and just as certain as you are sitting where you are sitting, it is just as much of a certainty, amen, while we may not hear a trumpet at this moment, while we may not, amen, uh, may not have any indicators, amen, that he is coming as far as from a physical sense that would say, here he is, he's on his way, he's right here.
We're not watching anybody elevate this morning. We're not seeing anything like that that says, we've got about five seconds, we've got about ten minutes. We don't have any. We, we do see the signs of the times. We do see the Bible being fulfilled before our eyes. But at the same time, that doesn't give us an exact time frame. And the Lord wants it that way. Amen. The Lord wants it that way. You say, preacher, why does the Lord want it that way? So you will always keep it in your mind that He could cut. He may not come for another thousand years, but He wants you to believe He's coming right now. And here's the reason why. All of those prophecies that needed to be fulfilled, amen, for Him to come have already been fulfilled, and He's on His way. He is just as good as gone if He leaves in the next, and what we would consider our next ten seconds, or if He leaves in the next ten generations, He's just as good as on His way. Amen. He could be here this moment. He could be coming, hey man, a thousand years down the road after our great-grandchildren are dead. I don't anticipate that. Amen. But then again, Paul said that he believed it was going to be during the days of his lifetime too and fully believed it. And God put in the Scriptures for us. I believe if, you're, if, you're, if, if somebody gives you the truth and you hear a message on the rapture, child of God, don't say, oh, another message on the rapture. I wish, the, I wish the preachers of our day would have something else to preach on. No, if your ministry is going to mirror Christ, you'll preach repentance, and you'll preach that the Lord's coming. Right. Amen. And that ought, to be, that ought to stir us to get our lives clean before God. Lost person, if you're in here and you're not saved this morning, amen, a message on the rapture should put a holy reverence and fear of God in your heart because time is ticking for you to make the decision for Christ. Why should you want someone to give you good preaching? Because of the mirror of good preaching. Amen. The Bible here tells us how Jesus preached. Amen. And I could take a myriad of other passages. I just chose that one. Amen. Because I believe those two, those two doctrines, those two things are a foundation of what makes good preaching. You can preach on sin, and you can preach on all kinds of things, amen. You can preach on the areas that we can, uh, we can go further with God in and, and our, and our Christian service, but I believe it falls down in those two categories. If I preach on sin, it's telling you what to repent of, amen. If I'm telling you how to live the Christian life, I'm telling you how to go forward until the trumpet sounds after you have repented and got your heart right. Everything falls between those two basic tenets of our message, amen. I'm telling I, I want good preaching because I want to constantly be reminded. Could you imagine, I'm going to close with this. Could you imagine what it would be like if you came to church and you never heard what, what you needed to get rid of out of your life. What the Bible says about what's wrong with you. Could you imagine if you came to church and you never heard the message that Jesus was coming? Could you imagine that? There's, as I said, there's people all over the world that that's exactly the way they come into church Sunday mornings. Usually for them it's just Sunday mornings. Amen. But every time they come in, they're not hearing about what to repent of. And they're not hearing about what, that, but the Lord's coming. So that's not encouraging them to clean up. They, they'll feel like they've got forever to live in their sin. Because sadly, a lot of us don't care how the Lord feels about our life and how it, how it bothers Him that His children live in sin. How it breaks His heart. Can I say this this morning? I'm glad that I not only am a part of a church today, and I know I'm the pastor here, and I do my best to, in terms of being a good preacher that Bible way. I try to bring good, good heed Bible messages. Amen. That's my attempt. But I'm glad to be a part of a church when folks come in here, when Brother Lewis gets up and preaches, he gives us a Bible. Amen. He tells us what to repent of. He tells us that Jesus is coming. When Brother Caldwell gets in the pulpit, he tells us what to repent of. Amen. Spent a lot of years of his life telling people what to get right with God. Amen. And uh, that Jesus 
Jesus was coming. Amen. We have guest preachers in. I think about Brother Baker came in and helped us out on Wednesday night. Amen. He told us, he told us, amen, about what the Bible says. Amen. And it falls in those categories, what we need to get right and why we need to get it right. Amen. And so I'm thankful that I'm a part of a church like that. I've always been a part of a church like that. And if, you, if, you, if you've been a part of a church like that, amen, you ought to thank God for it. Amen. And I'm telling you, when I hear good preaching, you know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to go out and share that message with others. Amen. And see people saved, see people get right with God. And so I hope you really do desire good preaching. Amen. And so, amen. I, I thank God for, for the truth of the Word of God. Thank Jesus. I thank God for Jesus being a preacher and showing us what true preaching is all about. Amen. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh, hey.